Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to our Christmas service. Um, We're so glad to see you here, both in person and online. I'm Sarah. I'm a member here at 180 Church. I'm going to be sharing our community news today before we go into the rest of our service. So our first announcement is about Advent. So um, right now we're doing an Advent um, calendar. We're going along with Advent calendar and we're posting really, really awesome videos um, based on the Sarah Young devotionals every day throughout Advent. We really invite you to join us along on Instagram and watch these videos. I know for me personally, it's really been just brightening my day every day and helping me draw closer to God. So we welcome you to join us there if you haven't already. We want to thank our media team for doing such a great job with that as well. Um, So our next announcement is about tithes and offerings. So if you're a member here at 180 Church, we want to remind you to keep um, God in the center of our life and our finances. Um, So you can tithe faithfully at Venmo, Zelle, Chase QuickPay, or PayPal. If you're visiting for the first time, welcome. There's no financial obligation to give. But if you'd like to, um, you're welcome to give at the methods I mentioned or at 180church.tv to learn more and give through that way as well. The next up is Bible Reading Group. So Bible Reading Group can be found at 180BRG at Instagram and Tumblr. Um, So this is a really great way to um, just read the Bible throughout the week and learn more about who God is and just make it a part of our life. Um, And so you can check us out there and follow along. Our next announcement is about prayer um, as a community. So we have our prayer text hotline at 5397prayer. This is an awesome resource where if there's anything um, that you would like to request prayer for or anyone in your life, you can submit it here and there will be a team praying confidentially for it and for you. If there are any victories in your life, you're also welcome to share them as well so that the team can celebrate with you. And we also have our House of Prayer. This is on Sundays right here in the theater at 1140 every Sunday before service. And this is a place to um, prepare and quiet our hearts before service as Pastor Lydia leads this time. Our next announcement is about small groups. So small groups are a way where we can slow down and reflect on what we hear on Sunday in the context of community. We're meeting mostly remotely at this time. So we have multiple groups that meet throughout the week. Our adult groups meet on Wednesdays at 730. Young adults meet Thursdays at 7.30, and 180 Fellowship, our college ministry, meets on Mondays at 7.30. If you're interested in getting plugged into a small group, you can talk to me or any of the greeters in blue, and we'll help find the right one for you. Um, Our next announcement is about social media. So there are so many ways where we can stay connected um, as a community throughout the week. We have three handles on Instagram, um, 180 Church, 180 BRG, and our 180 Fellowship page. We have our YouTube at 180 Church NYC, where I know many of you are tuning in now. We have Dr. Sammy's Twitter page at Dr. Sammy Kim. Is it a Twitter page? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> we have our Facebook at 180 Church. And our, um, as I mentioned, we have our um, 180BRG at Tumblr. So we welcome you guys to follow along there. Our next announcement is about ways that we can serve the community. So we are looking for volunteers in a few different areas. So if you're looking to serve, um, we have some opportunities here for you. The first one is about children's ministry. Um, 
if you'd like to uh, just be around kids and teach them about God, you can um, talk to Pastor Lydia or Michelle Kim, and they will um, get you plugged into that. Next, we have 180 Cafe. As many of you mentioned, we have awesome baristas making coffee or tea that you can enjoy before and after service. If you'd like, if you'd like making coffee, we're looking for volunteers here as well, so you can definitely join us there. Um, and lastly, the greeting team is also looking for volunteers. If you're interested in serving the community and just saying hi to faces, it really makes such a difference for people when they come. So if you'd like to be part of that ministry, you can talk to Danny O or Wendy Lee. And lastly, we have our remote services. So we have two more this year. For the next two weeks for Christmas and New Year's, we'll be, reading, we'll be meeting remotely. We're having these services remotely to allow everyone the chance to travel and settle in with our families over the holidays. And as Pastor Lydia mentioned during service, we hope you can enjoy service, service with your family, invite them to tune in with you during this time. So these dates will be, um, as I mentioned, the next two weeks, December 26th and January 2nd. We look forward to seeing you guys there. We'll be back in the theater in the new year. So that's exciting. Uh, for those of us who've joined us live with uh, the variant, uh, so we've got to be uh, really long-suffering with this pandemic. Uh, thank you for joining us online or in person. Let's continue to fight a bit longer. And let's pray together for some hope uh, that... 2022 will be the year where we would return to somewhat of a normal. Uh, Broadway shows were canceled last minute uh, because of some positive cases. Um, breakthrough infections are becoming a bit more uh, common, but studies have shown still rare. So I, I just want to encourage everyone, if you haven't gotten boosted yet, go to the front of the line and get boosted as soon as possible. So uh, let's practice the rule of life and pray together and just center ourselves for our service today. Let's exhale. Just practice that. And let all the angst, automatic thoughts, all the things weighing heavy on your heart and your mind, and bring it to the feet of Bethlehem today, the nativity, Jesus, who was incarnate as an infant, understands all the susceptibilities, all the vulnerabilities, all the anxieties of what it means to be human. Not one ache, not one tear, not one fear. It's not understood by the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. So as you behold Jesus in the manger today, remember he understands every fear. Bring it to his feet now. And let's inhale the redemption of the Adventists, the arrival of Christ. His presence no longer distant, but close. Today, I want you to practice this liturgy. Look to the Christ star known in history. In the first century, it would 
that looked like a huge star, like the moon in the eastern skylight. And the importance of this star is that eventually it was discovered it was a comet. Why that's important is because a comet has to come into the Milky Way. It has to come into our solar system. A supernova would be a million miles away. Why that's important is because Emmanuel means that he enters our space. His presence wasn't far away just to be witnessed and seen. It meant that he is entering every space in our hearts, our minds, to be with us. So let his presence ring true today at Christmas. All God's people pray. Amen. Guys, we survived last service of the year. Give yourselves a hand. All the people watching online, yes, because I'm burnt out. Preaching through storms in the beach, my pandemic, remember my COVID office? We made it through, but I was like, God, I'm running on fumes. I'm just going to lie down after this service and not get up until January 6th or something like that. Um, and some of you, I'm sure, are going to need it. But it's the final culmination of the Adventist. Today, the topic is love. Love, different from joy, is literally at the center of the universe. Daryl Johnson, who will teach next week, said that in his book, Trinity, at the center of the universe is a relationship ever-flowing community of love. Now, physicists, for the last hundred years, have been trying to nag and gnaw at what is at the center of the universe, or what is matter itself. First, we went to particles. That's really the reduced factor, what the universe is made of. The beginning of beginning, it's particles. Then it was gravitational waves. That's really what's at the center. Now it's energy. They're saying energy is really what's at the center. Let me tell you what's at the center. What the Bible says is at the center. Love. The Trinity, in eternal fellowship preeminently before time, outside of time and space, love. And why love is so different than every other virtue is because it's not just an adjective or a verb. The Bible tells us that God is love. Tell someone next to you, God is love. And therefore, it's critical to understand what love is then because we have misconceptions of what love is. Romantic love. Shakespeare really messed that up because before Shakespeare had to create this, you know, cognitive dissonance for, for the whole West moving into boy bands and, you know, boys to men and R&B and all this romantic stuff. 
You know, it's all arranged marriage and about transactional commit contracts, social contracts in marriage. Love has been has shifted to feelings. And no other illustrations better shows this than this show right here. Put it up. The Bachelor. How many people watch The Bachelor? I ju- I'm going to judge you hard. <laughs> Some people are reading both of their hands. <laughs> well, you must really like the show. The Bachelor is a perfect example of what culture defines, a, a plethora of options to find the best match for you. The Bachelor is created by producers and writers to produce the most drama possible. To get the most, you know, the sexiest people you can audition. And either they're explicitly type A's or they're pretending not to be type A's. Because you don't go on a show on national television because you're humble and innocent. I don't think you just audition for that because, oh, I'm just looking for love. That's what they pretend to be like. But the, the Bachelor, it's all about chemistry and all about what's sexy and the drama. And the best part of The Bachelor are the betrayals. Well, you said this, but now some temptations have come. I mean, you know, you, it's nice to say you love someone until you see someone in a bikini in, in, in the hot tub. And they're, they're, they create this drama in The Bachelor. And the culture sees love through this lens many times. And why it's critical in Christmas to revisit this particular virtue. What defines the universe and what defines our life. Our lives completely. How we love our spouse, how we love our friends, how we love this planet, how we love God, and how we love ourselves. We need to come back to the nativity and take some profound lessons what love is. Yes, love is God, but it has attributes. It's what C.S. Lewis says what love is, very different from the culture. Lewis says, love is not an affectionate feeling. It's not the butterflies, but a steady wish for the love person's ultimate good as far as it can be obtained. In short, love is a commitment. Tell someone next to you, love is a commitment. Be like, that. what? Love, that's boring. It's not. Did you watch Nicholas Sparks' notebook, Ryan Gosling show up in the rain? That's commitment. Ryan Gosling being there for Alzheimer's, that's commit, that's sexy. We have to redefine how we see the lens of love because it's been corrupted by culture, mostly Shakespeare. Lewis is correct. It's not butterflies. You're not not going to feel butterflies all the time for your spouse. Why? Because they're human. Can I get amen? I don't even have to say I want to get anybody in trouble, myself in trouble. We're, we're, we're human. So to love someone is commitment. You have to be committed. 
And when you see to nativity and you take out the holiday sentimentality and as the dust clears, you'll see that for Mary and Joseph in the, the place where Jesus is born, the barn Jesus is born, well, you see, and I say this, time to time, it's really a people of God answering a call of God for their fierce love for God. Nothing more, nothing less. Love is a commitment. Why redemptive history exists? It's because God is committed to us. But the nativity is not just about God's commitment to us in the incarnation of Jesus being born to save the world. It's also about a people God receiving Jesus and their commitment to him. So let's learn some profound lessons about love. Let's move down to this text. So, we read the text. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Again, when Joseph woke up from the dream that the angel sent, he was first going to what? Divorce Mary quietly, right? Because, I mean, someone comes to you and says, hey, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we have a lot of healthcare professionals in our church. Like, nah, bro. <laughs> That's some bachelor stuff happening. Right? Like, it, it's scant. So the first Christmas enters in scandal because sometimes a divine conspiracy looks like a scandal. It's not explainable. If you logically talked about this, Joseph was like, yeah, all right, until an angel visited him in a dream. And Joseph had good character. And he was not going to, he didn't want to shame her any more than she had to face because she was going to, her life would end. But it says very clearly, when he woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do and took Mary home as his wife. Love does. Do you get any butterflies? Did Joseph have butterflies? No. Zero. Did Joseph have Shakespearean sonnets and, you know, no. Joseph knew what would this mean for the rest of his life. It would mean people would mummer about his life. And that's why Jesus never got any respect in Nazareth. They considered him a bastard child. Everybody talked about a sham marriage, covering up this and that. Joseph said yes to God and yet to, yes to his call because of his fierce love for Mary and his fierce love, fierce love for God. At what? First lesson we learn about love is what? Read it with me. Love is a fierce commitment to what? To the other, even at great cost. Love is a fierce commitment to the other, even at great cost. You can't say you love someone until it costs you something. Joseph loved God because 
It cost him his name to say yes to the call. Joseph loved Mary because it cost him something to take her home. To be obedient to the call of God cost him at a great price. Of course, now we know Joseph's story. And his story is told every year. But at the moment, it was difficult. How do you know someone really loves you? Or you love someone? There has to be a cost that you're willing to pay or that you have, you have paid. My wife gets jealous sometimes because she thinks I love this being. Now, my dog is 16 years old. She's really annoying now. Okay, it's the time where she's peeing a lot, can't control her bladder. It's really testing my love. But I still love her. And my wife says, you, you keep talking about Brownie. Can you please talk about me now? I'm getting jealous. You know, <laughs> like, stop talking about her. Everybody know you love this dog. They're like, we're all, the family has like secret meetings. What if she dies? What will happen to dad? Would he be able to preach? Would he be able to get out of bed? They have these secret meetings. And I'm like, I don't even love this dog. They're like, your actions say you do. But there's someone that actually loves my dog, maybe just similar to me, about about much as I do. And that's Joe Hahn, AKA wedding singer, at one, official 180 singer at 180. If you're getting married, make sure you book him early. He's always booked, um, you know? And uh, Joe, a lot of times, who just got engaged, by the way, remember? Yeah, yeah. Wendy's, she's not feeling well, she's not here. Um, but, you know, it, what showed me that he really, it's not, I mean, what, even Wendy gets jealous, I think, of how uh, <laughs> we, me, and, me and Joe have that issue with, we love our, we love Brownie. <laughs> and, um, but I really, um, really was surprised by how much he loves her one time, uh, he was watching her, walking her in the park, and, and this is something I you know, overheard him telling me. Um, another dog, there was an altercation with the other dog trying to bite Brownie, they got into a fight. Brownie fought back, and he told me she won, which is unbelievable to me, because my dog is like the greatest wimp there is, and she's partly Rottweiler and somewhat Beagle, but more Beagle than Rottweiler, most likely. Uh, but. Joe said that he literally shielded her with his arm. And he, he got, you know, some, uh, some in inflicted with a you know, little bit of a wound. And I'm like, Joe, I can't believe you did that. He's like, well, I guess I love this dog. I mean, it showed me he really cares for this dog. And I think that's a funny picture, but not funny for him, but for, for me. But um, it shows love does. Love is a commitment. Sometimes we don't even know. We say we love because of feelings, but when it comes down to it, love has to cost you something. So let's look at the nativity. Let's look at the first Christmas, right? Jesus' birth. The Magi brings gifts to Jesus. Mary and, Jesus. Mary and Joseph 
give the gift ultimately of their lives to answering the call of God to receive Jesus. Then, at 2,000 Christmases later, let's talk about what we're bringing to Jesus. What have we sacrificed? How many gifts have we gotten others? What have you given Jesus? What have we given Jesus? You thought about that? You're like, well, I have to give Jesus a gift? Well, it's his birthday. (laughs) Oh, yeah, right. Christmas is about Jesus. This is missed. And sometimes I think what happens is our Christmas becomes too empty. We're empty-handed in Christmas. How could we celebrate Jesus' birth without a sacrifice? Something that costs us something, an offering. Now, I'm not talking about to the church, okay? I'm just talking about, I'm talking about an offering like the Magi and Mary and Joseph. What's our gift to Jesus this year? I think that's something we have to reflect on. Because I think a lot of times our Christmas is too empty-handed on the day of Jesus' birth. What is it costing us? What's our commitment look like? I think that's something we have to examine. Let's move down. So that's the first thing, right? Love is a commitment. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. My question is, the nativity is really young. I mean, the greater scandal is not the virgin birth. Okay, I could get around that. I mean, I'm not sure if you guys really think about this. The virgin birth is like a stumbling block for some people. They go, ah, can that really happen? Well, yeah, God can do anything. But, but my question is, how did God give redemption, the whole weight of redemption to teenagers and to a baby. You look at your kids sometime, you're like, man, that's heavy. Why, I mean, why an infant? How can an infant save the world in its despair and darkness? How can an infant be hope? to a very, very broken world. Well, in the beginning, we talked about the first side of love, which is a fierce, a tenacity to love, the hardness of love. Here, we see a softness of love. The Bible tells us that the kindness of God, not the wrath of God, but the kindness of God leads us to repentance. Not the harshness of God, not the hardness of God. The hardness of God was what? Poured out on Jesus for us. But Jesus is sent first and foremost as an infant because it's supposed to express the softness of God. Let me just tell you this. I was the best fighter in Korea, well, in my little town, okay? 
There's, oh, we have those. We, I used to, we used to do Taekwondo all the time. We would fight in our neighborhood and I would beat everybody up. I learned very early on, I even tried to evangelize through power. I told you the story, right? Beat up a guy and said, Buddhist is wrong, come to church with me. My church told me to evangelize to you. So it wasn't, a, he didn't go. It wasn't a very good, it's imperialism. But uh, I learned very early on when you're a kid, power, physical power, you know, gets you, it's leadership <laughs> somewhat. It, it, physical power and might in, in, in first grade, second grade, third, gives you respect. But here it is. After third grade, power can't get you what you really want. Or fighting. Doesn't matter how, how well you fight. I watched a lot of Bruce Lee movies. A lot of, you know, I was really into it. Sometimes I would go to school with a ninja suit, which is weird, but I did that <laughs> in the 80s in New York City. Now, but, you know, one time my friend said he, he got a girlfriend in fourth grade, and I said, well, I'm going to steal her from you. And he said, what, are you going to sit on her? And I was like, uh, I... For the first time, it, it registered in a different way. You can't win, you can't gain love through power. Right? Put this picture up. You, you, you can't gain love through power. You can't, it's not, this is not, you know, the first century. We're not doing arranging marriages. If you want to win the heart, there's a vulnerability. There's a softness to it. doesn't matter how much swag you have. If you want to win the heart of someone else, your children, your significant other, or you're trying to win someone's heart, listen very carefully. Let me give you, pay attention. There's, you have to be vulnerable. And that's why Jesus came to us as an infant. Because when we see Jesus' vulnerability, when we see Jesus' susceptibility to pain, when we see Jesus is nakedness on the cross when Jesus lays out his heart. We see the pursuit of God's love for us in passionate ways that what happens, it captivates us. It changes us. In, in college, my friends used to say, when my then girlfriend called me on the phone, my voice would change. <laughs> I'm like, no, it doesn't. I, it, it was implicit because, you know, when someone called me, I'm like, what's up? What do you want? When my girlfriend called, I, hey. <laughs> I, they recorded it one time. This is what you sound like. It goes, it goes higher. <laughs> or, or even my son caught it. And this is really embarrassing. My son said, Dad, you know you have a public voice. When you're on the phone, you sound all professional, using SAT words. But you know when you talk to us, what you sound like, right? Josh, Josh, you like your sweater? Like, no, I don't sound like that. I recorded it. This is what you sound like. All right, I, I, I'm exposed. I'm an imposter. I don't have any swag. 
but, but here it is. The truth is, if you want to win the affection of others and you want to win their hearts, it has to be a softness to love. That's the other side of it. it yeah, there's a tenacity, but there's also a side. That's, there's a vulnerability. Right? So that's the second thing. Love requires a vulnerability that we would rather avoid but must courageously embrace. And here's the thing. It's, the cross is parallel to what all fathers and husbands and spouse and every relationship we're in now. If you really experience or have received love or given love or have love. When you're vulnerable, you open yourself up to rejection and pain. Right? Like, if I didn't have that voice, I wouldn't be made fun of or mocked at home. And I might have more dignity, which I have none, but there will be no exchange. No, no real love. The kids would not feel loved. And that's why Jesus came with skin. It's the vulnerability of God. Not just in the cross, but in the very beginning in the nativity. That changes everything about how we love and how we are loved. Amen? So, in conclusion, let's read this quote, which is, I think, mine. The incarnation is not just a gift for our consumption as an end in itself. It is to bring illumination and be a light to our path. The incarnation and the nativity, the models of love, that we see in Joseph and Mary. The model we see in the, in the second person of the Trinity, the love of God in the incarnation, is not just for our consumption to enjoy this Christmas. It's supposed to be a light, a guiding light for us, an invitation to live this way. Amen? And I pray the Spirit would guide you this Christmas season to live this way. To allow the incarnation to be in a guiding light and example. So if you haven't this year, share the gospel. Share the gospel. Not through preaching, not through truth. And of course that's important, but through vulnerability. Tell someone your story and how God has saved you and what he saved you from. Sometimes that's the part we miss. How could someone look at your life and know that Jesus really is the, the hero of your story? Because some of you might not realize this. You might be look more put together than you think. Look at someone next to you. Like, you know, and they're like, no. Well, Spice is like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know. I know all your stuff. But you... You've been formed in the image of Christ. If you've been Christian for been a Christian for a while, people might look at your life and go, "Oh, you know, you don't really need Jesus. You're just a nice person." Until you get vulnerable and tell them your story, right? 
Tell them what Jesus has saved you from. Without that vulnerability, there's no power. Without weakness, Christ's strength can't show up. Or if you haven't told someone, a friend or your spouse or your family, how you really feel about them, okay, that's complicated, but, but really expressing your heart. That's what Christmas is about as well. And if we do that, it'll bring what? Glory to Christ. It'll shine the light. And people would see Christ glorified. Let's stand and pray together. Can we just reflect a moment for this year as it ends? Are we loving? loving well or how have we been seduced by the culture is this costing us something and are we vulnerable Those are the two things that Christmas teaches us. When you love ferociously and in vulnerability, it changes everything. It changed the whole planet. This infant and his parents 2,000 years ago changed the course of human history. There's a historicity to it. So it's not just like the nativity is nice, this is a good tradition. No, it works. It's existential. It's empirical. It works. It changed the whole world. And it can change our lives as well. Why? Because when you reduce down everything, Paul tells us that in the end, there will be only three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. But none is greater than love. Why? Because love is God. So I want to ask today, 
for the love of God to be poured into you and the love of God to be poured out of you into the world. To our children, to our spouses, to our significant others, to our friends and the world. From the nativity to here with us. Let's make this our prayer. together. Father, we come before you this afternoon in conclusion of the year. We pray that the incarnation and the nativity would become a guiding light this Christmas 
Help us, God, not to lose sight and allow our Christianity or our Christmas to become too comfortable. Because it's inviting us, but also demanding from us more to forgive, to love, and to leap into God's calling. And if you're in a moment in your life where there's a great darkness or great fear, remember, love always wins. That's what nativity shows. Even in a moment in history when a mad king is committing genocide, love still won the day. And I know this world has gone crazy and, and now dystopian novels are no longer interesting because we live in a dystopia. But will you turn to Christ and remember he's in the throne and he has arrived. And one day he shall return again. So, Father, we pray for your presence to shine through us. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We'll see you back here next year.